The scripture reading is Psalm 16, Song of Trust and Security in God. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here ends the reading of Psalm 16, a song of trust and security in God. We welcome you to our virtual service here at Weston Park Baptist Church as we continue on in the month of July, looking at a series of psalms we're calling Summer Psalms. Last week we looked at uh, Psalm 4, and today we look at a psalm, Psalm 16, which is cited several times in the New Testament, both by Peter at his famous Pentecost sermon, Acts 2, and also then the Apostle Paul in Psalm 13. Um, Both statements uh, reflecting on the work of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit, in Jerusalem, and then also in Antioch with with Paul. So they are songs of uh, life, psalms of life, reminding us and the listener that death is no longer the ultimate question, but that is being replaced by our ongoing living relationship with God. So there's a switch from a focus on death to a focus on life, and that that life is possible through Uh, the risen Christ, the risen Messiah, God's work in Jesus to give us life, living contact with life. So it's it's a celebratory psalm um, and one that definitely is worth our consideration. So we, we look at that today. It begins with, Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So the beginning panel, the psalm divides into three panels. The first panel, verses 1 to 4, is an affirmation of trust in God. So the the psalmist 
has a fundamental belief that God is on his side, Psalm of David. That there is this core belief that God is there with me and that because of that, I can live with a faithful optimism that God is with me and that his good is with me. There is no good apart from you, the psalmist says. So interesting, it begins with a affirmation of the first command that there should be no other gods before God. I take refuge in God. And God there is El. Protect me, O God. So I I take refuge in God, verse 1. God is El, is the creator, is the all-powerful one. That's what um, that name for God means. God is the Lord over creation. Lord over the universe, El, powerful. And then in verse 2, it switches to another name, and it's the name Yahweh, uh, you are my Lord, note. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. So it goes from El to Yahweh. And Yahweh is a, is a play on the name that was given to Moses in Exodus 3. We had looked at that passage a while back where God says his name, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And it's an active verb of becoming, a God of becoming. So in these, in these, just in the very beginning verses, it's the name of El and it's the name of Yahweh, the name of the all-powerful one and the name of the one who is becoming. So it represents a God who is not static, but it is a God who is living. It's a dynamic of God. Interesting that Jesus says in one place, uh, John 5, the Father is still working and so I am. We often think of God as creating the universe and then stepping back and then doing no more, just kind of watching. But that's not the way it's presented in Scripture. Creation is an ongoing act. And the triune God continues to work in his world, in his universe, and in us. So it's a dynamic, living God, Father, Son, Spirit, in our lives, not a static God. And so it's not a deist God, right, who creates the universe and then draws back and just watches. It is a God who is involved in his universe. And, of course, that takes faith. It takes the eyes of faith to see that so that we just don't see a materialistic universe and everything that we don't see we just don't believe in. Or on some microscopic level, we, we accept it, but we don't accept any other kind of dimension, a spiritual dimension. But the psalmist does, because God is a God who holds the universe together, and this is a God who is living, who is dynamic. That's what we see in verses 1 and 2. And so the invitation of the psalmist is to make this dynamic God our God. So to have a faith and trust and confidence in this dynamic God who was with Israel, who was with his church, who is with his people all around the planet. God's dynamic presence. But the challenge is, verse 4, it says, those who choose another God, small capital God, multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. So the psalmist recognizes that we can make things that are not gods into gods. 
And so, for example, in the, in the history of Israel, when they move into Canaan, they, the promised land, the, the people are tempted to take on the gods of the Canaanites, particularly the, the god of the earth, the fertility gods, to take those and make them our own. So to no longer have faith in just Yahweh or El, but to believe in these other gods. And one of the famous gods of the Canaanites was Moloch. And, and we have references to Israel believing in Moloch, worshiping Moloch, even to the point where they would sacrifice their children, because that's what was demanded by Moloch. We have evidence of other systems around the planet where, where there was child sacrifice so that the lands would be fertile that year, the harvest would be abundant. So we can make things that are not gods into gods. Well, we don't believe in Moloch, but we may believe in the god of materialism or the god of riches or the god of power, god of fame, I don't know, whatever those gods are. But certainly there is the possibility and the actions of making things that are not gods into gods. Rather than trusting in the sovereign God and the God who becomes, who ultimately reveals himself in Christ so that we may have this living dynamic relationship with God. It's it's this gift to us. We'll see more of that as we go. And so will we believe and trust in this God who is present with us, who is dynamic, who lives and moves, whom we have our being in, Paul says, and acts, we live in whom? The God who is there for us. So will we trust in him, the first panel, an affirmation of trust in this God, instead of the things that we, we desire or want to hold on to. Because of that, there's a second panel, and the second panel goes from verses 5 to 8, begins with these words, The Lord is my chosen portion, and my cup you hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Second panel, happiness by having communion with God. So it's not just an affirmation of trust, but the psalmist goes on and says that I can enjoy my life and indeed have a happy life as I trust in this living God who travels with me. And so the verses 5 and 6, these are the language, uh, the, the language of Joshua, the book of Joshua. When the children of Israel go into the land, and we see the language of the language of portion, of cup, of lot. This is all the story of the land of Canaan being divided up for the 12 tribes, and they all get their portion. They all receive their inheritance. So it's happy language that God is there for me. The boundary lines of my life have fallen into good places. God is with us to recognize that reality. Carries on, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. 
So the, this God that we relate to is a God who counsels us, does not coerce us. As we look to him, he will guide and speak into our hearts and minds and our consciousness with his presence and will lead us. That's the Lord is my shepherd. That's the language of the Psalms. This God interacts with my life, your life, to the point that the psalmist says he counsels me. He doesn't force me. He doesn't force you. The Lord will never force you in terms of your actions. You have to open up and then finally you take your actions and you ha- and I have to take responsibility for those. But the Lord through his spirit will speak into the situation. So the question is, are we paying attention? Are we listening? Our destiny linked to God. God is always before me. C.S. Lewis writes in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, Lewis became a Christian a little later on in life. And when he reflects on that, he talks about the signposts from God. Signposts that impressed upon him something that spoke of God, even though he didn't recognize it at the time. So Lewis was a great walker. He loved to be out walking in nature. And and when he walked, he he was impressed with, with beauty. And that beauty impressed him as a signpost pointing to God. Interesting. Where he talks about hearing music or reading a piece of poetry and a stab of joy, something just stabbing him, wow, waking him up that there is something more than what he has been knowing and has anticipates. So God is there, and I think that's for all of us. There are signposts from God. Before we know God and and as we know him, to recognize his presence in our lives and to pay attention to that reality, an ongoing encounter, an ongoing dialogue, an ongoing communion with God. That's, That's what we're invited to. And when we know that, the psalmist is saying that we will know his peace, even his joy, his rest, and we can say happiness. That the world is not simply a chaotic mess, but that we trust in the creator who will guide us through to an end of peace and love and joy. That that, that's God's design for the earth ultimately. And so will we tune in then to the signals of God? Will we tune in to the the wavelength of God coming to you and to me, reading the signs, whatever they are, reading the signs? Recently, I've been allowed to tell this little story. Uh, Simon and Rebecca have invested in a piece of property down in Prince Edward County. It's, it's a small farm. So I've been passing some time there, working down there, instead of necessarily in the church building, working on sermons and stuff like that. And so when you're in that kind of area, you're now in a rural area, a farm area, then obviously you see things that, you, that I don't normally see living in Etobicoke. So... I can see some things that wake me up. And, and one of them is at sunset, when the sun goes down, the morning or evening star appears, and it's always appeared, and that's the planet Venus. 
And Venus is the closest uh, planetary object to us other than the moon. So the Venus is quite close to us, really. And when the sun goes down, it appears. And it only appears for like less than an hour, 45 minutes or so, and then it's gone under the horizon. And as I see that, you know, I don't see it from my backyard, but there I see it. It's a, it's a sign to me anyway of God's creation. He as creator, he's speaking and, and holding things in, in hand. We, we talk a lot about climate change right now, which is real. Clearly it's real. It's devastating. But Venus has been there all these years, and Venus continues to be and will continue to be there after. It's, it's God's handiwork. So we can look at that planet and say, well, that means nothing to me, or we can look at it and perhaps it speaks to my heart or your heart. Maybe something else totally speaks to you. These are signals from God, signposts, that God is there for us and is in communion with us. That's the invitation. So can we live lives of faith and trust and even happiness? And you can say, well, man, you don't know my life. My life is just a disaster right now. All kinds of terrible things have happened. And that, that, that may well be true. But that doesn't dismiss the, the fact that God is still the God of the universe who is there. And ultimately, as Julian Norwich says, all things shall be well. But we can only receive that, of course, in faith. Right now it doesn't seem well. But hear how the psalm ends, and this is the third panel. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. My whole person, heart, soul, body. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. Death is not the last word. That's what the psalmist is saying. And then he concludes with, you show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, that's a pretty happy ending, don't you think? God is there for you and for me. Death is not the last word. Life is the last word. So as we know God, we don't have to live our lives in fear of death because death is not the last word. The last word is hope and joy in the presence of God. So the third panel is indeed rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. And this is where it brings in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 13. This is the portion of the psalm that is referenced in the New Testament. That death is not the last word, but life is. Why? Because God raised Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, gave him life, and therefore he gives us life. Commentator on the psalm says, for God is not one to give up his friends. I like that. God does not give up his friends. Or another way of saying that is if God gives us the gift of life, he doesn't just take that gift back and it ends at death. He gives us life and that life passes on even beyond our physical and as such. God is not one to give up his friends. Death in terms of our body, sure, that, that's inevitable. But our life carries on. Note, he does not give us up to Sheol. He does not give us up to the pit. The pit is the very, very bottom of Sheol. Sheol is the word for Hades, the afterlife. 
which, by the way, is a developing theme in scriptures, and it develops over time through what we understand in the New Testament, this sense of being with God eternally, eternal gift of life. So verse 10, Sheol, the pit, they are not the last word. Rather, we have this statement in verse 11, and it's, it's worth us rereading. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So David has a deep sense that, that, that God is with me. And as, as I know him and live in a relationship with him, his presence fills me with his joy, a joy beyond our imagination, a joy beyond any exploration that we can engage in. That, that is our joy of knowing God. It's always, always, always emerging and developing and growing beyond our imagination. In heaven, we never come to the end of knowing God. It's this ongoing, infinite relationship with God. And this he gives us. Because we are his friends, we are his children. So then where do we go with that? How do we conclude? Well, last week we talked about, you know, what fills our horizon? What fills your horizon? When you look at your personal horizon, what do you see? What do I see? Is it confusion? Is it fear? Is it hurt? Is it pain? Stress? Anxiety? What fills your horizon? Well, the invitation is as we know God and as we belong to God, we said that, repeat that phrase, I belong to God, that our horizon is one of trust and confidence in God. Sun sets, Venus emerges. Today, tomorrow, as long as it's not cloudy, that's what's going to happen. The sun sets, Venus emerges. Life and trust and confidence in God, this position of faith in God. But it requires you to step out in faith. It requires me to step out in faith. To trust that God is there for me, in spite of whatever challenges are going on. And then in, in, in light of that, life and joy go together. Why? Because it's an unbroken relationship with God. God gives you life. He doesn't take that gift back. He gives you the gift of life. Then you have the gift of life. That's the good news. That's, that's the good news. The good news of the gospel is that God shares his life with you and with me. And the incredible news of the gospel is that God takes on flesh and comes to us in Christ. He becomes one of us so that we can enter into this gift of life and embrace it. He loves us that much. God for you, God for me. So life and hope go together. God helps us. So what, what, what helps us there? What, what helps us to realize this gift of life? And I would say one of the disciplines that helps us most is the gift of praise, worship, that you emote to God. I emote. It is not just a head thing. It's not just governed by reason. 
It's me letting my whole body engage in my relationship with God. It means you have to let go a little bit. If you don't want to let go, well, then, then you're going to be afraid of praising. Because you don't want to let go. Often we're afraid of our emotions. We, we don't trust our emotions, so we, we won't do it. But the psalmist gives himself to praise, to really praise God. I mean, so one of the things that Cheryl does each week is she puts up a list of songs, and, and they're there on the website, Spotify. The songs are there. A bunch of songs that will go somehow with this with what's going to go on in our service this week. And the invitation is to listen to those and, and praise along with those. And even the songs in the service. They're not, it's tough in a virtual service, I get that, but they're not really there just for us to listen to. It's our attempt for us to engage in worship. Will, will we do that? that? That's what it's about, Because you and I need to do that. Otherwise, we get stuck in our minds and our brains and we don't feel, feel, experience the praise of God. Jubilate, to give praise to God. We we, we don't get there because we're too locked up. And so praise is a discipline that's very, very important. The whole Psalter, all of the books of... All 150 psalms are ultimately about praise. They were sung, giving praise to God. So it's a very important discipline, and one we've been kind of lacking, right, throughout this pandemic. We've been isolated, we're not together. It's a challenge, but it's not impossible. And then thirdly, what helps us is prayer, because prayer is our engagement with our faith. Prayer is you saying yes to God. You activating your person with God. Your conversation with God. My conversation. Table talk with God. Have a cup of coffee around the kitchen table and you speak with God. That's incredibly important. Because it engages us in our faith day to day, day to day. So I belong to God. I praise God. I'm in conversation with God. And as I do these things, then I can know and live my life with confidence. Why? Because verse 1, God is my refuge. God is your refuge. Christians do not have to be so sad, Coretto writes. We can live with a smile. Not because everything's going perfect in our lives, but that we have a dynamic, a relationship that swings way beyond our lives. This is, this is all a precursor. It's all just a setup, man. A setup to what's really real. You have your moment under the sun. I have my moment under the sun. 70, 80, 90 years, 50 years, 30 years, 15 years, I don't know. Your time under the sun. And that's your time to say yes to God. And when we say yes to God, it opens up this infinite gift from God. God on the cross in Christ for you, for me, so that we might know him eternally. The gift of life, he gives it, he doesn't take it back. We're his friends, ongoing friends. And so the invitation is to say yes. The invitation is to say no to the other things that we make God's. 
and to recognize the creator, the God who is dynamic, who is becoming, who has revealed himself in Jesus, and who gives us life. Peter and Paul saw things like that and more in this psalm. So I pray that this week you will take a bit of time, read over Psalm 16, see that it carries on into the New Testament, and it has a happy word for you, a happy word for me. May we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.